Welcome back to another episode of Rebel with a Cause. I am your host, Eric, and joining me today is Rachel Kennerly of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. How's it going, Rachel? I'm going, it's going well. Thank you, Eric. Oh, uh, you're no problem. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time now, so I'm jumping at the chance here to get you get you on the record, so to speak. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. I appreciate you inviting me on. Uh, not a problem at all. All right, so uh, for the listeners that don't know, and uh, I, I can't imagine that there's any that don't know, uh, tell us about your podcast. Well, seeing that I know my download numbers, there's probably a lot of people that don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have the I have a podcast called Cannabis Heals Me, and what we do on the podcast is we, or not we, I, I interview people who have used cannabis for medicinal purposes just have them on the on the show to talk about kind of what their life was like before cannabis, what kind of medications they were on, and then what their life is like now that they have cannabis that they can use as medicine. And the purpose of the show is to educate people about the medicinal benefits of cannabis and then also give people who, like myself, believe that cannabis should be legal, kind of give them some stories to go and share with people who are still prohibitionists. Because I myself was once a prohibitionist and totally bought the dare narrative and thought that cannabis should be illegal and that people should be thrown in cages and their kids should be taken away from them. But what changed my position on that was hearing the story of someone who I knew personally whose son needed cannabis as medicine because he was having over 100 drop seizures a day. And so the the, kind of the purpose is let's, let's use these stories to crack the facade and be able to break down these walls that people throw up automatically when they hear the word cannabis or marijuana, as is the, you know, the pejorative term for the plant. Let's break these walls down. And then we can talk about once we share the story and we kind of appeal to them on an emotional level, then we can go in and talk about some of the other things like, you know, does the government really have the right to tell us what we can and can't put in our body, but we can't even make those positions and those arguments until we break those walls down and people are actually listening to us. So that's kind of what we want to do on the show is share stories that educate people about the plant, its medicinal purposes, and then give us a way to communicate with people who still believe the plant should be illegal. Yeah. Uh, And I've been listening uh, to your podcast now for a while. So I I, I get to hear all of those stories and uh, you know, there's, there's a lot in there that'll kind of break your heart, especially when you have to hear about parents having to, you know, just pack up and move and go somewhere where it's completely legal, like Colorado, Mm -hmm. Uh, just because, you know, they have a son or a daughter who's got, you know, grandma seizures and uh, everything else. And, you know, have got serious issues that the, uh, that, you know, just regular CBD oil isn't going to, you know, a, even attempt to fix. I mean, you have to have that, you know, the full spectrum, uh, THC and everything else with it. But mm-hmm. yeah. And then you're just like, I, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. And I was like, man, I couldn't imagine, you know, picking up and moving across country, uh, to a brand new state, uh, you know, have no basic job prospects or anything else when mm-hmm. you get there. And, and just in the hopes of, you know, from it being like 10 or 12 seizures a day to maybe two. You know? Yeah. And, yeah, it's yeah, so pretty pretty it's, crazy. Yeah. All that because the, we had one guy back in the 1930s who needed a job right. after prohibition got uh, got repealed, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 pretty it's sad and it's frustrating. It makes me mad too. You know, the the lady that I knew here in town, that's exactly what she had to do. She moved, she's a single mom 
had to move to Colorado to get access to cannabis for her son who was having over a hundred drop seizures a day. And she moved up there not knowing a soul. And she, for many months until probably for about a year and a half, she was flying, she's a hairdresser and she would fly back to Texas and see all her clients in like one or two days in Texas and then fly back to Colorado while she was trying to build her client base up in Colorado. But until she was able to do that, to be fully self-sufficient, she was still having to, to leave her family and fly back to Texas a couple of times or once or twice a month mm. to make the money that she needed to survive up there. Okay. All because the government thinks that they know better than us what needs to go on our body. Yeah. And you're never going to find somebody in government who's going to, uh, to come out and say that we own you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's pretty much their attitude towards it. And I was like, no, 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 no. We own you. Take the vaccine. Uh, no, right. you may not uh, ingest this uh, uh, plant substance into your body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you're you're not even uh, okay enough to handle your own financial affairs. So, yep. yeah, it, it gets pretty crazy, but they're never going to come out and say that. Instead, they'll use all of the libertarian language that we like to say. Well, no, well, taxes are voluntary and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, sure, you own yourself and you you can do whatever you want. Uh, just don't cross us. You know, right. <laughs> I always like to add that little part to it. But yeah, they tell us they tell us how our kids can ride in cars. They tell us what we need to put into our kids, what we need to inject into them. They tell us how we need to educate our kids. Self-ownership is not really a real thing in the United States and in most countries. Yeah. yeah it's a it's definitely a foreign concept because. um uh, I have a little taxation is theft uh, sticker on the back of my car, and it's gotten me in trouble quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it, it's amazing to me. I begin to be like, you know, filling gas up in my car, and then someone wants to have a debate right there about how it's not theft and everything. But, you know, I have to. And I usually started off with, uh, it's like, well, do you own yourself? I was like, huh? What do you mean? I was like, do you own your body? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I was like, okay, well, then uh, somebody taking something that you own. Without your, you know, permission or mm-hmm. consent, you know, that's that's the big word that we like to use around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of makes it theft, right? I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, all right, let's take a deep dive. What else uh, could we say that you own yourself on? Uh, I could sit here right now and drink a half a bottle of liquid plumber. Would you think it's a good idea? Well, no, that's obviously a bad idea. So we ought to legislate me not drinking Drano, basically, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, no, if you want to be stupid and drink that, I mean, go for it. I was like, okay, all right. How about marijuana? You know, then they, you know, they they can't go anywhere from there. You can always see the, like the the short circuit and the sizzle coming out of the ears. And they're like, oh, I think I just heard the gas pump kick off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I need to go back over to my truck now with my uh, yeah. Malone LeBay sticker and my Blue Line sticker on the sa- on the same truck. Right. Ugh. Right. <laughs> well, that's yeah. And my my brother in law is a police officer. So, and my sister in law and I have kind of. I'm sorry. Right. I mean, he's a great guy. And and he went into law enforcement. He's not one of these macho, I want to tell you what to do kind of guys. He's the yeah. kind of guy that, you know, if you have a, uh, if you have somebody in law enforcement, he's the kind of guy that you would want in there because it's not an ego trip for him. He, he went into it because he wanted to help people. And I know I'm probably going to get crap for that, but he's a good guy. I love him. I've known him since he was four years old, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. He's a good, he's a good guy. He just happens to be a police officer. But, you know, what most people don't realize is that it's not going to be the federal government knocking down your door to take your guns. Yeah. 
it's going to be local law enforcement coming to do what they were told to do and take your guns. I spoke to a guy who is running for sheriff here in Angelina County and asked him about red flag laws because we've got a sheriff's election coming up next year, I think. And I asked him, well, what are your opinions on red flag laws? Do you, you know, are you going to enforce those? And he basically told me, well, I'm in law enforcement and I have no choice. This is a guy running for (laughs) sheriff saying I have no choice, but to enforce the laws. And I said, well, those laws run counter to the constitution. Right. And if you're an anarchist or whatever, you're, you think the constitution is not worth it, but these people claim to be law enforcement. And so which one is more important? What the legislators in Washington, DC or Austin or the constant, what laws they make, or is the constitution the final authority? And I never heard back from him. So, Which is also kind of strange because the guy's running for sheriff, which is the highest elected official in a county or in my case, a parish. Yeah. So if you didn't want to follow a federal law, you could say no. Yep. You absolutely could. But they feel like and it probably it, it probably all goes back to education, because I'm sure in police academies, it's not like they teach about the Constitution and those things they Mm -hmm. teach. This is the law. You follow the law. You you goose step people to the to the gulag, just like we tell you to do, because that's the law. Yeah, uh, it, it gets pretty crazy. And I, I know some uh, people that I went to high school with that became cops and everything. And they, mm-hmm. you know, they they'll talk about, well, yeah, you know, uh, we have to do traffic stops because that's where we'll find all the drugs. I was like, oh, good Lord. It's like you, you do realize that you're violating the Fourth Amendment. Just you looking into their car. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't even it, – it, it's like the two and two don't equal four for them. <laughs> right. Well, there's not – like I said, there's just not a lot of, of training on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And that's the – that's a shame that these people that are tasked with – I mean, they of all people should know the law better than anyone, but they don't. They just know what they're told to do, and yeah. they just do it. But, I mean, that's what we're trained to do in, in public education. They – they tell us what to do, when to do it, and we just we're supposed to be automatons that just do what we're told anytime we do and don't think about it. Yeah, and train is a is an excellent word to use there because we're definitely not educated. We're we're trained mm-hmm. like little puppies. Yep. <laughs> well, it follows the Prussian model. So they wanted people that would just blindly go to war and follow orders to whatever end that may lead to. And that's basically what what happens in the public education system. Yeah. There's no, there's no critical thinking skills that are taught. At least it wasn't when I was in school, you know, we didn't, we just said it was just, this is what we want you to learn. And this is what we need you to spit back out on the test that we give you at the end of the week. It's not like you take these concepts and you apply them critically and you try to learn how to do something else. It's just, you, you regurgitate what we pumped into you. Yeah. And uh, looking back, I can think of one teacher that uh, basically said at the start of the class, uh, at the beginning of the year, he goes, uh, I'm going to use some uh, some words. And if you don't know the what word I said or what the definition is, there's a dictionary in the back of the room. You can get up at any time and go look up what word I just said. Uh-huh. He's like, so if you raise your hand trying to ask me to define a word I just said, I'm not going to do it. So it was kind of starting that, uh, yeah, if you want an answer, sometimes you got to go look for it yourself. Right. 
yeah, otherwise, you know, not a bad teacher, not a not a great one by any stretch of the imagination, but just that little bit, you know, he kind of was like, wait, what? You're not going to answer a question if I ask it? But yeah. Well, at least he gave you permission to go to the back of the room without having to raise your hand and ask. Yeah, exactly. You still had to raise your hand to go to the bathroom, though, which I, I never quite understood that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, and we can... Uh, discuss like basically most of the world's uh problems uh kind of all start with the education and mm-hmm. uh i've kind of slowly come around to to that uh at first time you know like i'm i'm gonna be anti-war no matter what i was like okay great well you're not really gonna be doing much if you're still teaching kids that it's okay to go to another country to uh hurt and destroy them for their natural resources and, and that's basically all of uh american history is so so yeah if, if you're not nipping it in the bud with the education first, then you're basically spinning your wheels for everything else. And, and education kind of goes off in a whole bunch of different directions. You know, uh, you know, you talk about cannabis and it's, uh, healing effects. And even if you're doing it just to get high, you are getting some kind of, you know, relief, you know, it, it, even if it's a psychological one. Right. Um, well, a lot of the people that I've spoken to that, say they're using cannabis for rec, you know, before they, before they knew it was medicinal, they were using cannabis recreationally yeah. and the very strains that they enjoyed using while they were using it, quote, recreationally are the ones that their body needs medicinally. So, you know, there's a, a lot of people say that all cannabis uses medicinal. And I think there's some validity to that, that it's not just recreational. Some people just need that cannabis or for underlying medical issues that they don't, they aren't even aware of. Yeah. Uh, and before we start acting like the fun police for people, I mean, even if you were just smoking it just to get high, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's a, a stress relief. You're, it's uh, some kind of psychological benefit to you. And, you know, it, you may have some kind of undiagnosed, uh, you know, mental problem. Uh, maybe the cannabis is probably the best thing for you. You know, it, who knows? But um, <laughs> because, uh, God forbid the the government actually allow a study to be done on cannabis at all you know, without yeah. shutting it down, which is uh, another thing that you find when you try to say, uh, try to fight people on the medicinal part is like, well, there's no studies. And then you look, kind of look into it and it's like, yeah, there's no studies because the government doesn't allow studies. And the ones that they do, they're, they're trying to look for an answer that they, that they want. Oh, what's that? It's a mid-roll read. Hey folks, before we get to part two of this episode, if you could go to the show notes page and take a look at the several different ways you can support this podcast. You can do it all kinds of different ways. I mean, I've got Patreon, Subscribestar, Bitbacker.io, PayPal. Yeah. And guess what? I just added my cash app name on there as well. So any which way you want to do it, Go ahead and do it. It's all going to go towards advertising the show, maybe on another podcast you're already listening to. Amazing. Anyways, back to the show. Right. Well, there are studies. They're just not based in the U.S. I mean, Israel is one of the primary countries that does a lot of research into cannabis as medicine. And I believe their soldiers are actually allowed to use cannabis for I think they're just, like they can't use it while they're on duty, but they're able to use it when they're off duty. They they see the medical benefits of being able to use cannabis and allow their soldiers to partake, yeah. which are, which is crazy because our government has like the total opposite policy with regards to cannabis. Yeah, if you're 
in the army, the Marines, Air Force, Navy, whatever, and you get caught using pot on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Article 15 is probably the least uh, of your worries. Fort Leavenworth, Kansas is the most of your worries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's, it's basically ridiculous. And a lot of this, um, you know, just stems from Harry Anslinger back in the, uh, you know, 1920s and thirties. Uh, yep. even the, even the term marijuana, you know, just to, is a, uh, pejorative. It's not really the term that was used, uh, prior to that. It's basically just to say, well, look at all the, the scary Brown people coming over the port, over the border. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if you look at the the history of prohibition of of all drugs, it it there's a racist undertone to it. You know what was it? Uh, opium in California with the with the Chinese coming in with their whatever poppy houses or whatever they were called. You yeah, know opium dens. Yeah. 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 And that's so, actually where we get the term hip, because you had to lie on your hip to smoke it. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So if you it, so uh, the term the hippies back in the 1960s because they were all uh-huh. hip. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's that's nice to know where that comes from. So that's a new wrinkle in the brain today. Yep. <laughs> well, you learned something new for the for the day, so now you can take a break. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm done for the day. No more learning. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I, I, any kind of prohibition law that's uh and it doesn't really matter what it is um kind of has some kind of racist root to it mm-hmm. um so yeah drugs definitely uh you know the one i can't remember his name who's in the nixon white house basically said well you, we just can't arrest somebody for being black but we can go after all the stuff that they use yeah uh, yeah you know the first gun laws in this country were racist in nature because you mm-hmm. know newly freed slaves. You know you could only buy these little cheap pistols that really weren't all that great. And if we caught you doing, you know, having a a firearm of any other make and model, you know, then we have the right to to arrest you. You know, it's kind of silly. But um, uh, even minimum wage, you know, that was mm-hmm. racist in origin as well. And it's like, okay, well, we want to keep uh, good white people working, and we'll uh, price the uh, price the Negroes out. And so we'll come up with this minimum wage idea. So it it gets really crazy really quickly when you start kind of unfolding the uh, the onion petals when you start going back in history and looking at all these uh, prohibition laws. And uh, it's not just the U.S. I mean, that kind of all over the world. Any kind of prohibition, right. you can guarantee that it was aimed at some segment of the population that the you know quote powers that should not be were were against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Ugh. But most people are completely unaware of those roots. And then, you know, people that would be appalled by racism are still enforcing or still supporting policies with racist roots. And it's like, you know, any any other policy, you would be trying to root that thing out. You'd be tearing that thing out. You know, the 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 good Christians, conservative Christians, they they talk about, well, this law was, you know, directed at black people. So we've got to get rid of it. But when it comes to cannabis laws or prohibition laws, well, it, it doesn't really matter yeah. what the roots of it were. We still, we think this is a good law. So we're going to not be morally consistent here. We're just going to mm-hmm. say, because we don't think people should smoke pot, we should throw them in a cage over that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I remember back when I got married in, uh, 2010, uh, 
the the marriage license that we had to go for, and don't even get me started on marriage licenses. But <laughs> you know, they made us put down our race on the paper, and I was yeah. like, I was like, I uh, kind of don't want to. And the the clerk of court was like, Well, it's it's the law. You do have to put it on there. I was like, Here's my birth certificate from the state of Nebraska. You notice how race isn't even listed here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, Oh, I, I've never seen a birth certificate without it listed. I was like, Yeah. <laughs> Because it's it's a construct. It doesn't actually exist. There's no genes that specify what race you are. <laughs> right. It's, it's so silly. And um, I was like, well, we just have to do it. And then this was uh, probably a couple of years after a famous uh, justice of the peace in uh, Tangipahoa Parish wouldn't marry an interracial couple. So oh I, wow yeah I think it was a white guy and a black woman and he wouldn't do it mm-hmm. because you know because think of the children the children won't be of uh, any one race and they'll be picked on in school right right yeah it's always it's always the children yeah well, that's that's always the rallying cry of government officials oh think of the children <laughs> yeah and then uh, you know they get to use the children as props like the uh, the Greta uh, yep. Thunberg that that we saw and that's the, as I exactly as I've dubbed her the mean face girl. <laughs> it was like when that uh that whole speech came out i was like going oh uh yeah you know, I, I wonder in 12 years if uh she's just gonna come out and say yeah my parents were horrible and they made me do this right oh right yeah, yeah just like just like al gore you know talking try, lecturing us all about the uh the coming climate change and he what is it his house is like one of the biggest users of electricity in the state or something yeah uh very large house and i think that's one of his houses uh yeah exactly a fleet of suvs chevy suburbans Mm -hmm. to be exact a fleet of them (laughs) i mean at least this girl came over on a sailboat you know most of them are Jetting all over the place to these climate change conferences. Oh, yeah, yeah. Using the uh, the private jets to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, my other favorite is uh, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. They buy a, a house in Martha's Vineyard that would be totally underwater if their predictions are correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because of, so, of the rise in ocean level. They, they probably have it insured, you know, this climate change insurance or whatever that's available. <laughs> be like Tom Cruise and, uh, you know, pay $5 million to Xenu proof your house. Do what now? Okay, so Tom Cruise, uh, pretty high up in the uh, Church of Scientology. Uh huh. So he paid a construction crew five million dollars to Zenu proof his house, which is the Scientologist version of the devil. <laughs> oh wow! Was this alien I being to, called Zenu? <laughs> I need to get in on that gig. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> there should be way more libertarians involved in that. Yeah, we uh, I've joked with some of my friends uh, here in Baton Rouge that we thought we would uh, come up with a church of libertarianism. <laughs> hey, we wouldn't have to pay taxes. Yeah, we wouldn't have to pay taxes. Uh, we could meet uh, at some other place and people would give us money. <laughs> awesome. As donations to also mm-hmm. not report those on taxes. <laughs> yeah. I think there's like a church of weed out there. Seems like I've heard of that. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember if it was a documentary or if it was a show. Like, they literally cultivate weed and they smoke it all day long and they call it sacrament. And so I've kind of jokingly called it that anytime I've ever done it. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised Tommy Chong isn't like their messiah, but, uh, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> 
Yeah. You want, you want to talk about someone getting railroaded uh, for cannabis. I and mean, it's like, we're going to ship a glass pipe over state lines somewhere that we weren't going to ship it anyways. And then we'll throw you in jail for it. Right. So, so dumb. Oh, well. Well, uh, I think we're going to uh, wrap it up right there. Uh, Rachel, do you want to go ahead and give any plugs of what you're doing? Well, folks can go check out the podcast. It's on all the major podcast feeds, or they can go out and listen at CannabisHealsMe.com. And that's pretty much all I want to plug. (laughs) Oh, uh, I guess I will take the opportunity to plug the Liberty Hippie Network of podcasts. That's something that Nick Pacone put together. It's got several different, it's a, it's a podcast feed with my podcast, Nick's podcast, um, Ben Pangy's podcast, just kind of like a, I guess, peaceful, loving people type podcast. So that's yeah. at the Liberty Hippie Network. I don't know. I'm a terrible plugger. <laughs> that that might be the might be the title of the of this episode. A terrible plugger with. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now we all know the origin of the word hip, so you can go join the uh, Libertarian Hippies. That's right. <laughs> All right, Rachel. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. Uh, we'll have to do it again Absolutely. sometime. Uh, and if you ever want me on the on the podcast, I can uh, I can definitely do that. Uh, I love uh, being a guest as well. So sounds great, man. I appreciate that. And uh, uh, good luck on the move. And um, hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to meet sometime. I'm I've, I've got a couple of friends that live up in the Dallas area. So the next time I'm in the DFW area, I'll holler at you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely want to have like a big uh, get together. And then if nothing else, if you're uh, coming to national convention in Austin, Texas, uh, we are also doing Childerberg at the same time Mm -hmm. at Emma Long park in Austin. And yeah, I plan on, I plan on being at, I plan on being in Austin at 2020. I'm, I'm hoping to be a delegate. So that is my plan. I don't know about Childerberg. I'll have to kind of see what's my schedule. (laughs) I don't want to camp honestly. Yeah. Texas in May. It's still, it's still really freaking hot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, so I don't know that I'll be camping. Yeah, I think for myself, uh, I'm probably going to get a hotel at the National Convention. And because uh, mm-hmm. we're going to have a van called the Childozer uh, go back and forth <laughs> every couple of hours uh, to the campsite and back to the National Convention. So uh, there'll be people like myself who are going to kind of do both. So if you don't want to camp, yeah, just get a hotel somewhere and yeah, uh, enjoy I'll some probably- air conditioning. <laughs> I'll probably pop out. Is it going to be family friendly? Cause I have a 10 year old and I'm, I'm pretty, um, we're pretty, I won't say restrictive. I don't know what the word is, but well, you definitely I'm pretty don't particular want, about what I expose him to. Yeah. You don't want a bunch of grown adults, you know, saying piss and shit and fucking in front of them. So right. I'm pretty sure. Right. <laughs> we, we try to, we try to watch our language in front of him. Cause I don't want him going to church and dropping an F bomb in church. You know, so. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> we tried, we tried that with my 10 year old and he just learned all the, all the swear words on his own. And, uh, the other, oh, yeah. other oh, yeah. day, his... my uh, three year old dropped the F bomb in the back of the car. And I'm like, ah, oh, great. Yeah. Uh, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He learned, he learns a lot from his older cousins. So we've had conversations yeah. with the older cousins about that. So yeah. Cousins, yeah. your first best friend and also your first bad influence. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, Rachel, well, we'll get you out here. Uh, if I don't see you anytime before that, I know I'll definitely see you at a uh, national convention and, uh, and uh, it'll be, it'll be a great time for everybody involved. I'm sure. <laughs> yep. Totally agree with that. <laughs> All right, Rachel, take it easy. You too, Eric. Thanks. All right. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.